0: Greetings, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Helping Hands of Our Community, Addressing the Social Determinants of Health podcast. I am your host, Roger Saclupe, and alongside my co-host, Dr. Drew Reynolds, we are here to highlight the incredible work of individuals in our community who are helping create healthy and thriving communities. Today, I am running the ship solo without my brother, Drew Reynolds. He is out enjoying time with his family on break. I am super stoked about today's episode for a few reasons. One, we have three incredible guests in studio. Our guests for today's episode are from Pat's Place Child Advocacy Center, Kelly Wood, Marquia Hurst, and Jasmine Warren. But before we move on, I want to congratulate the Virginia Cavaliers for winning their first NCAA Men's Basketball National Championship. Now, for our listeners, you all know that I am a Duke fan, so I It's taken a lot out of me to even say congratulations to Virginia. However, I am an avid basketball fan, and so I do want to congratulate the winners of this year's tournament. And however, if it happened to have been the North Carolina Tar Heels, I would not have congratulated because if if you know me, you know I am a very rabid and fierce Duke fan. So let's move on with the show. I'd like to give our listeners some information about our guests. First, Kelly Wood. Kelly Wood is a forensic interviewer who, to date, has conducted over 2,100 forensic interviews. Prior to her employment at Pat's Place Child Advocacy Center, Kelly was employed at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, where she was a member of the staff at the Stephanie Blank Center for Safe and Healthy Children, which is a hospital based child advocacy center. There, in addition to conducting forensic interviews, Kelly also conducted psychosocial assessments facilitated and co-facilitated multiple trainings for hospital staff and community partners. Kelly's target population of interest are survivors of domestic minor sex trafficking, also known as commercial sex exploitation of children. Kelly has been a guest lecturer at multiple colleges, universities, and high schools on a range of topics including child maltreatment, high-risk behavior, forensic interviewing, and CSEC populations. Kelly earned her Bachelor of Science degree at Georgia State University and Master of Social Work degree at Clark Atlanta University. She is a licensed clinical social worker and is eager to continue developing new skills and serving in various social work roles. Kelly, welcome. Thank you. We also have Marquia Hurst, who is a victim service provider. She currently serves as a senior family advocate at Pat's Place Child Advocacy Center. Marquia's work with victims of crime began at a domestic violence center in 2011. Her focus transitioned to child victims in 2014 when the Domestic Violence Center opened up a child advocacy center. Since then, she has served in various roles within child advocacy and continues to learn new skills as the field advances. She earned her BSW from South Carolina State University and her MSW from the University of South Carolina. She is also a licensed clinical social worker. Marquia, welcome. And lastly, we have Jasmine Warren, who is currently an MSW student. She will be graduating in May 2019, earning her MSW from the University of North Carolina at Charlotte. She is currently doing her placement at Pat's Place Child Advocacy Center and is here as a learner, also as a teacher, and also as an individual who is thriving. To help create healthy communities jasmine welcome so kelly and marquia for our listeners who are not familiar with the work that's done at pat's place can you tell us a little bit about your organization and your role there
1: pat's place is as you've already mentioned roger a child advocacy center And what that means is that it is a specialty center where we provide services to children and families who have experienced some horrific trauma. And that trauma can include um, being exposed to child maltreatment. It can um, include exposure to child sex trafficking, um, sextortionism as well as witness to violence. And Markeia, what am I missing? Homicide. Homicide, absolutely. And so several of the services that we provide to children and their families would include family advocacy, which you've already mentioned. Marquia is a phenomenal family advocate. Forensic interviewing, medical services, so forensic medical evaluations, trauma-informed treatment. We also provide prevention and education and outreach as well as um, MDT coordination and um, human trafficking services. And so we hope that by utilizing this system, which it became a model, it's really the child advocacy center model. and what that means is we learned prior to developing this model that traditionally or historically, children who disclose some type of abuse, instead of having one center, where all agencies will come together and coordinate and collaborate in order to, be able to provide service, and to be able to obtain details regarding the investigation. What we learned um, was that children would often have to go through multiple systems. So it could start, let's just say, a child disclosed something at school. So um, a child would then say something to a teacher at school, and then that child would then be referred to a school counselor, and then would have to tell the school counselor the exact same thing they just told that teacher, Mm -hmm. and would often have to then tell the principal And then the principal would then have to call other services like YFS or um, CPS, and the child would then have to talk to CPS and tell the exact same disclosure, and then have to meet with a police officer either at the school and or at that precinct and tell the exact same thing, and then be sent to a hospital where they would have some type of forensic medical evaluation and have to tell medical staff the exact same disclosure. And then this cycle just continued, and we learned that as children had to tell their story and share their experience over and over again, ultimately, by the third time they had to tell, they were re-victimized, the trauma was significant, and sometimes the information was different because they had to, again, tell their experience over and over again. Mm -hmm. That does not meet the needs of a child who's already experienced some type of trauma. So What we learned is that in order to provide better service, that we needed to then refocus the way that the intersection between um, us as community partners and investigators and children and their families. And we needed to not then punish them and make them have a story over and over again, but to provide the services that would help. To provide healing and allow the child and the family to come in one place and provide all the services mm-hmm. wrap around that child and the family, all of the services, family advocacy, resources, treatment, and um, sometimes they're also in need of other services. As Marquia can speak a lot to that, um, housing, education, um, poverty, so many things that we learn that families are in need of other than just the the trauma they initially disclosed um, about. So we had to change the way that we provided service to this, to this population.
0: It's almost like it's giving back a little bit of that control that they didn't ask to lose when this happened. Absolutely. Right? And you're right. Kind of, I could imagine going through six, seven, eight different places or meeting six, seven, eight different individuals at different times Absolutely. throughout the week Absolutely. and how much of a loss of control that must feel for the kid Absolutely. and for the parents or for their caregivers.
1: Absolutely. And for a child, what does that mean? Does that mean that I'm not believed the first time I talked to right. my teacher? Does that mean that I didn't say the right thing the first time that I have to say it again? And I think that's very confusing. Mm-hmm. And I also think that it it somewhat is punitive right. um, mm-hmm. to make a family go to multiple agencies and, and systems, not because they did something wrong, right. but because something has been perpetrated upon them, again, outside of their control.
0: Right, and then also how, how scary it must feel for a child of any age, absolutely. whether they're five or whether they're fifteen, absolutely, of having to speak with all these authority figures in those settings. You know, whether it's at the school setting or the or the hospital or the police department, and um, Pat's place is there to provide that sense of safety, security, where a kiddo can just feel like I can be me. I can, I can start the healing process here and not have to go through all these multiple places. So I really feel like what Pat's Place has been doing for all these years is really beautiful. Markia, let's talk a little bit about your role. Mm-hmm. Kelly had mentioned uh, you play an, an important part in the lives of many children and families a- and for the organization. So let's talk a little bit about sort of what, you know, what you do.
2: Yeah. So when, when families come to Pat's Place, the advocacy team are the first to, to meet with that family and to, to kind of navigate them through, uh, through their appointment at Pat's Place and, and really provide just a sense of comfort. We, we kind of are sometimes like the, the mommies of the, you know, of, of the Child Advocacy Center um, because we want to make sure that that family is comfortable. We want to make sure that the child feels safe um, to talk. We want to make sure that the parent understands all of the different facets of what's going on. And so we really navigate them through their entire appointment at Pat's Place. And then we are their go-to person after that. And so um, when they go home or after their appointment, all of their questions may not be answered. They may need therapy services. They may need food. They may need have questions about the criminal investigation, and so we um, are their go to person. We make sure that they leave with our direct contact information, and they know that they're not in this by themselves, um, and that we are truly here with them. And that if we don't know the answer to something, that we can we can find out for them.
0: And it's really important, like you mentioned, it's there's so much more involved with that process of disclosing that type of experience, that story. You know, again, whether you're five or fifteen. It's a ripple effect. You have the actual experience that causes that individual and their family systems to sort of start colliding or maybe even drifting apart. And that could include social support, natural resources, transportation, like you mentioned, housing, employment, definitely education. And so what does that mean? How, how does somebody who's experienced something as traumatic as child abuse, sexual abuse? How are they able to navigate everything? And so again, y'all play an intricate role in that individual's life. And by doing so, you're addressing the social determinants of health. Because we don't realize how an experience like this does dramatically change and shift the narrative of that person and their family's lives from that point forward. It's just not a, oh, this is just going to be something that's going to feel different for a week. It's a this is going to be different forever.
1: Yes mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah oh, yeah yes. Families mm-hmm. really are in crisis yeah. I believe when they come through our doors and um, they're in crisis and have no clue what to do and what does this mean? This is a new normal. and parents, I believe, have so many questions about who to talk to, how do they parent, um, how do they support their child and if the alleged offender is someone who they know and love Who do they believe and how do they support both of them? How do they support themselves? And so I think that we allow them to come into, um, as we say, our home, our space Mm -hmm. and help to walk with them and navigate this new experience, this new normal that they are going to have to live out. And when they have no clue how to do that. And so I hope that um, we're able to provide that. I know our family advocates do a phenomenal job of helping parents who are really just trying to have it in, together for their, their children and to be as strong as possible, but who need so much support themselves to be able to come and support those parents who are then able to then support their children um, in this, this state of, of sometimes crisis and just feels like chaos.
0: Right. Jasmine, I'd like to get your perspective just from, from an individual who is going to be starting the field here pretty soon as you graduate, and you've been at Pat's, Pat's Place for, for a year now in, in placement. Can you offer your students' perspective sort of of what, what, you've, what you've absorbed, what you have observed, and what, how this placement has prepared you for your work as a social worker coming up?
3: Yes. So um, as a student, prior to coming to Pat's Place Child Advocacy Center, I was aware of um, like police officers who would come and be involved in children's lives who were going through traumatic experiences um, and YFS who would come and be involved. Um, but I had very little knowledge about a child advocacy center and the role that they played in bringing all of those parties together. Um, so I think once I walked into the agency, um, and experienced their roles, um, it really just shined a light on how important child advocacy centers are, um, in bringing all the teams together and really providing those wraparound services. Um, it seemed like that there was a key that was missing for a while, and so um, child advocacy centers really come together to make sure that all of those needs are being met. Whereas, um, like maybe the detectives are focusing on the investigation piece, or YFS is focusing on making sure that the home is secure and safe for the child. Um, But the Child Advocacy Center really comes and looks at every piece of the home and every piece of the child's life and making sure that they're getting the services and the resources that they need. Um, So it's really been a pleasure to watch that process unfold um, and to be able to participate in um, helping to provide for some of the families in our community.
0: Thank you for that, Jasmine. And you're right, Pat's Place offers the community children and families so much. And on the website, it says, where every child's voice is heard. And that is exactly what Pat's Place is doing. They are making sure that every child's voice is heard. Children who perhaps may have never spoken about this or revealed this type of experience to anyone else, they're able to do it because Pat's Place exists. And Kelly, we talked about this a little bit earlier before we began the episode about how how great of an organization Pat's Place is, but, and there are people in the community who know about Pat's Place, but it's also one of those, those organizations that unless you haven't utilized services or supported in other ways, there might be a lot of people out there who don't know about Pat's Place. And so I think that's why it's important for us to be here today. I thank you guys for accepting my invitation to be on the podcast because this podcast is about getting the word out on the magnificent work that is being done by individuals in our community, organizations in our community. And unless you need that type of support, you might not know. And so we're here to let our community know more about Pats Place. So I'm going to move forward a little bit here um, with a couple of other questions. If you guys can talk a little bit about your career, like what experiences led you to take on the work that you're doing today?
2: So I... um... When I was in high school and in and, and undergrad, I was um, a missionary. So I went a lot of, I went to Liberia, West Africa, I went to uh, Puerto Rico and different places just to serve. I just have always felt this need to, to serve. Um, and so I went to college and I knew that I needed to make some money. So I, uh, so I thought that I would pursue a bachelor's in business. And I went to the first class. And the professor said, um, money, 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 that is what makes the world go round. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, it just did not sit well with me. And so I just did some research and I was like, oh, my gosh, social work is a thing. And there are classes and I like all of these classes. And, um, and so that's kind of how I um, study, you know, began studying social work. Um, and then after that, just did a lot of volunteer work and just. Needed to serve.
0: And so, yeah. We're good. so glad that you did not move forward with that business degree <laughs> and uh, not only obtained your BSW, but you obtained your MSW as well. Yeah. So, and and, and, and you're an LCSW. That's wonderful.
2: Thank you. Thanks
0: for sharing, Markia. Mm-hmm. Kelly, how about you?
1: Very similar to Markia. Um, when I was in high school, I was um, really active in my church and did a lot of outreach. And one of the things that I really loved. Um, outreach programs that they did was working with youth and usually problematic youth. so we would often go to um, RYDCs YDCs, or regional youth detention centers, And I always had an opportunity to speak with teenagers there who, um, for one reason or another, they found themselves in that situation, um, ready to get out, and just a lot of elements that kind of intersected together. That was sometimes beyond their control. And that was never the choice that they wanted to make. But just unfortunately, that was where they ended up. And I found a, a, I drew to that population. And so I knew that I wanted to work with that population. And so when I thought about going to um, school, I was thinking, well, perhaps sociology, which is what my bachelor's degree is in. But then shortly thereafter, near senior year in undergraduate, I learned about this wonderful program called social work and thought, why has I never heard of that before? How is it that I just learned about that in my senior year? And so I was determined to then pursue that as far as my graduate degree. And just as Markeia stated, I was amazed and thought someone knew exactly what I wanted to do professionally. I knew my heart. And they developed this program just for me clearly I was the only person in the world who they (laughs) developed this program for because I thought it spoke so, so much to what I wanted to do. And so then I I pursued it and I I wanted a program that I thought would involve so many different um, aspects of social work, including going to a historically black college Mm -hmm. and university. I wanted that experience as well. And what did that mean for, Mm -hmm. for me? And, um, other populations, and so that's why I really pursued it, and I've been very happy since.
0: How about you, Jasmine?
1: So similar to
3: Kelly and Marquia, I was also very involved within my community throughout high school. Um, I went to a high school that required us to complete community service hours as a um, graduation requirement. Oh, wow. um, so yeah. whereas we were required to complete about a hundred hours, I ended up completing about two hundred plus hours. Um, so I really knew um, early on that being involved in my community was something I was interested in. Um, It took me a while to figure that out. Once I went to undergrad, I majored in forensic science um, for about a semester. <laughs> um, didn't last very long. I knew that I really wanted to work with people, and I do have a passion for working with children. Um, so I stumbled upon social work, and I fell in love with it.
0: We're glad you're here. We're glad all of you guys are here. And we definitely are fortunate to have individuals who are invested not only in the community, but the future of those who are experiencing incredibly terrible and bad circumstances that they never asked for, and so you guys are here to provide that support and also to provide a way for folks to heal. So thank you. I myself have a connection to Pat's place um, as as Markia and Kelly know. Um, I do some consulting work with Pat's place um, as a bilingual consultant and uh, have been very fortunate enough to have worked with um, families who who just, who want help? They want help. They want to be heard and they just want to feel supported and they want somebody to be present with them as they go through this terrible experience. And so, I've been, again, I've been very blessed to have had that opportunity and those uh, connections with not only the children and families, but also with staff at, at Pat's Place as well. So, so, many of our listeners are probably interested in how you have made this work a part of your not only career, but your mission in life. What advice do you have for new social workers and helping professionals interested in your area of expertise?
2: Hmm. That is such a loaded question. (laughs) Oh, gosh. You know, I think that this work is very, um, it's very personal work. You have to bring yourself. Um, We don't have an instrument or a tool, you know, a physical tool. We have who we are and all that we come with and our experiences and our our empathy and our care, um, and so because we bring all of who we are, then we have to be so careful to take really, really good care of ourselves. And I think we are the worst at it. I think we are so bad at taking care of ourselves because we want to take care of others. We um, we are fine with um, us being on the back burner, but if we want, if you want, if anyone wants longevity in this field. Um, one must care for themselves, and I think that that looks different for a lot of different people. It could be family time. It could be, you know, exercise. It could be food. It, could, you know, it the there can be all kinds of things. But I think that that would be, you know, number one. Um, and to stay genuine to to who you are, and at any point, if you know. If it doesn't feel right, if it doesn't feel well, um, then that's a good time to examine and to see, can I still do this work? Is it time for me to move on? Uh, because our, you know, our biggest thing is do no harm. We never want to do harm. And so we have to really be thoughtful and, and introspective and really um, look at ourselves so that we can serve the best.
0: That's good. That's great advice, because, again, in the field of social work or in any helping profession, we are absorbing a lot of information where you guys are at Pat's place. Y'all are absorbing a lot of information and that information is not, doesn't feel good. You know, it definitely is not feeling good for the individual who is telling you their story, their experience, but we're absorbing that. And so I think you're right. Kind of this practicing self-care, being aware, um, not pretending that it's not affecting us because I can tell you a lot of Experiences and stories that I've absorbed, and it becomes really difficult. And, and you may even sometimes question yourself how effective am I really being? You know, what can I do? And I think a lot of that is going to be us acknowledging I need a break, or I need to step back, or I need to, I need to consult with my colleagues, right? And then for us to also um, keep an eye on our colleagues, check in with each other. Hey, are you okay? Hey, that was a really difficult case. Do you need to talk about it, or do you want me to just sit here with you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think, Kelly?
1: I absolutely agree with both you and Marquia, Roger. I think one of the the great things that Pat's Place does offer is because they know that we do absorb this history, the experiences that our families come in with, that they have provided um, a contract for us to be able to receive vicarious trauma with Uptown Psychology. And so we have that opportunity to be able to go and meet individually to talk about how we're feeling Um, when we feel that we have kind of depleted um, ourselves. We are beginning to feel numb or we are just feeling like we are ineffective. And to be able to check in with some and how to work those things through, I think we are really great, as Markeia said, of, of giving tools to our clients. And to be able to share with our clients, that they need those tools in order to make sure that they are um, caring for themselves. But sometimes we do not, as patients, utilize the tools that we have in our toolbox, right. or we attempt to feel like we can utilize these tools, but they're ineffective. And to be able to sit across from someone to validate our feelings, to hear, be present, the same things that our families want from us when they come into past Place, we need that as well. And to help us, and I I agree with Marquia. we have to decide, any social worker, anyone in the helping profession, profession, no, profession, that's what it is. Profession (laughs) needs to be able to um, understand what you can do and what you can't. What populations do you believe that you can work with and which ones do you believe you cannot? And I think that is really helpful um, at, at being a very successful social worker.
0: You mentioned uh, Uptime Psychology. The uh, staff there are incredible individuals. And actually, I'm really good friends with Antoinette uh, Souffrant and Meredith Stewart, who, um, shameless plug for our listeners, uh, they will be future guests as well. They have agreed to come on and talk a lot, a little bit about their work. So I'm really excited to have them uh, come on here in, in a few weeks. So, so I want to um, ask you a, a question in regards to just like you you as Marquia, you as Kelly, you as Jasmine, uh, what, are, what are some things that you enjoy doing that is not related to your work? You know, again, we, we talked a little bit about self-care, right? And so this question kind of segues into that. Like, what are things that you sort of do that has nothing to do with Pat's Place, that has nothing to do with being a family advocate, being a forensic interviewer, being a, being a graduate student um, that helps you with some of that self-care we just talked about?
2: Yeah, I love to garden. I'm not very good at it yet. (laughs) (laughs) I am a work in progress, but I watch a ton of videos and I'm putting my little garden together. And so I just like to be outside. I like to play in the dirt. Um, I have a two-year-old and so he is my sidekick and (laughs) we (laughs) we go out there and we try our best. We grew. Three green beans last year, and we were so proud. But we didn't know what to do with just those three. <laughs> um, but that is that is something that I love, love, love to do. Is
0: there anything you're currently growing right now?
2: So I haven't started, but I've only, like, started planning. And so my plan is to grow cucumbers, All right. tomatoes. I really, really, really want a blackberry tree. Not sure how well it will do here, but I'm going to give it a shot. <laughs>
0: Well, I think if you give it enough TLC, it'll probably grow to be a very fruitful blackberry tree.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: What about you, Kelly?
1: Travel is my self-care. I love to travel. And um, that's probably why I invested in my own self to become a travel agent, because I just want to travel. Wow. Awesome. (laughs) So I just really need some time for that, to get away from it all.
0: What's the most interesting place you've traveled to?
1: Most interesting place. Huh? I would say Aruba would be the most interesting place just due to the great diversity ethnically there. And it was just beautiful. And I loved it. And I loved all the diversity.
0: Maybe Aruba needs a social worker. They
1: do. They really do. <laughs> I could do it. I, I could do that. <laughs>
0: yeah, <sure. laughs> Jasmine, what about yourself?
3: So as a student, I've chosen some really expensive hobbies um, because I haven't started working full time. Um, I really like listening to music and um, doing art. I really like to paint and draw. I'm not very good at it. Um, But even with listening to music, um, like after I've worked on a really hard case, like I'll just go into the office and um, turn on some music just to kind of help me just get my thoughts together. Um, So I like to do those things.
0: Thanks for sharing, guys. I really do think that our listeners will appreciate that even though you are doing hard work, that you do take time to step back and take care of yourselves, and that you have awareness of that, I think you're right. Helping professionals, we we're in this field for a reason. We care. We abundantly care. We have big hearts, um, and we do want we we want to make other people feel great. We want them to get better, and in doing that, we may also often overextend ourselves and. When we do that, it sometimes can backfire on us. Um, Am I really giving somebody my 150% if I'm only at 20%? So thanks for talking about that. And thank you for sort of connecting that to the work that you guys do at Pat's Place. Because it is incredible work. So for people who would like to get in touch with you, what is the best way that they can do that?
1: They can actually come to our website, www.pats.com place, cac.org And they can come in underneath staff, click on that link, and they would be able to find myself, Marquia, and other staff members, and our development team, um, our directors, and um, other family advocates and interviewers as well. And they absolutely be able to connect with us there. And our telephone numbers are, are there as well.
0: And so, there are also volunteer opportunities that our listeners can look at engaging with if they navigate to that site. Absolutely.
1: Fundraising opportunities as well.
0: Great. So, as we head towards the end of our episode, is there anything you would like to tell our listeners about the importance of engaging in this type of work?
2: You talk about social determinants of health and that untreated trauma can lead to just a whole lot of issues in the future. Children who've experienced trauma, children and adults, they have higher rates of suicide, higher rates of illness, higher rates of mental illness, just really high rates of things when when really those things are preventable. And so um so just you know, based on statistics, there are folks who will listen to this who have experienced trauma and to to seek out help, to to Google trauma. There's Psychology Today, there's um, Safe Alliance in Charlotte. You know, there are uh, an abundance of resources that can really change the trajectory of one's life. And so just want to encourage folks to take care of themselves in that way.
0: Markeia, thank you for that. We, re, we really appreciate you saying that out loud. And um, you're right. We, we may have listeners out there who have had uh, difficult and different experiences, and there is support. There are organizations like Pat's Place and multiple agencies that are able to provide support, services, and the opportunity for people to heal. Kelly, Marquia, and Jasmine, thank you so much for your time and commitment to creating healthy and thriving communities through your work and advocacy. To access this episode, along with notes and information about Pat's Place Child Advocacy Center, navigate to thehelpinghandspodcast.com. And thanks to our listeners for their curiosity and willingness to learn something new today. Until next time, remember, strong always, always strong.